Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970 sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Vanessa, today's episode involves divorce and grandchildren, something neither of us really have. So I figured we can just skip our usual intro pleasantries and go right into the episode. Uh, What do you think about that? I think that that's great because I'm sure that we don't have any divorce or grandchildren stories that we really want to share here. (laughs) (laughs) That we want to share, yes. We probably could share a few, but let's uh, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. Let's keep the episode light and fun. Yeah. In this episode, mail call again. Colonel Potter gets great news about a new grandchild. Hawkeye gets a newspaper from home and Radar gets a home movie, while Frank gets some rather distressing news from his wife. Vanessa, what did you think about this episode? I really liked this episode. I always like the mail call episodes because you get that little slice of home type of thing that you don't always get from just the regular episodes that have the goings-on of the 4077. So Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was really cute. Yeah, this episode was a delightful slice of life vibe. And you know that I like those ones. So I was having a good time all throughout. I liked all these little stories. Frank, maybe at his worst. We say it all the time, but like, (laughs) has Frank ever been worse than this? I don't know. We're going to have to really, at the end of this podcast, we're going to have to do like a tier list of the worst thing that Frank (laughs) has ever done and like rank them. (laughs) I would be so down for that um, because Frank in this episode, I think that Frank and Margaret in this episode, I have a lot to say about them. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Well, let's not start with Frank, though. Let's start with some more fun news, such as Colonel Potter getting the news that he's going to be a grandfather. And this kind of sets up an arc throughout the entire episode that I really enjoyed. I really liked Colonel Potter's reaction to finding out he was a grandfather. Um, What did you think about this whole baby pool storyline? I thought it was really cute because it was almost like a gender reveal before gender reveals were a thing. Right. Um, I think that it's always really fun for them to have like a a betting pool on certain things that are so Mm -hmm. mundane or just ordinary average in your everyday life. But for them, it's just something to kind of zhuzh up the time that they have to spend at yeah know, in the military so that's always that i i like when they bet on on things like that i think i like the betting pool aspect and i like that it was kind of set up by colonel potter so it wasn't like a sketchy underhanded thing it was like <laughs> a more sincere uh like i'm having a grandchild isn't this fun kind of thing and i like how the betting was only one dollar and that a few people were, like, a little hesitant to join, like Margaret was, but then they hear that this is, like, a sanctioned betting pool, so she's like, ah, (laughs) put me down for so-and-so. I just thought that was really fun. That added a lot of, like, fun charisma to it. Yeah, I like, because Radar was the one who originally suggested it to Colonel Potter, and Colonel Potter was like, hell yeah, I'm all for it, and he he put in his own bet about, like, what his grandchild was going to be, so... I don't know. It it was it was just really sweet to see. So after that, too, is when we get the setup of Frank's wife as well. <laughs> yes, kind of um, the opposite end of the spectrum here. Yeah. <laughs> so Radar is bringing mail to everybody and then he brings mail to the swamp and shows BJ and Hawkeye this letter from Frank's wife and very on the sly is like, oh, yeah. His wife wants a divorce. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I loved how they reacted to this as well, that BJ said just so casually that like, oh, Frank will blow his brains out. He's only (laughs) known Frank for like a month, maybe in Showtime. (laughs) And he's already like, Frank's that kind of guy. He's that messed up that he's going to like go to the extremes for this. But, you know, it's a well-deserved divorce, I think, because the the reason why uh, she wants a divorce is that, like, a guy from the camp goes to Frank's hometown, runs into his wife, and, like, tells Frank's wife about Frank's infidelity. So it's, like, all above board. It's not a <laughs> uh, meaningless Dear John letter, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you can really see why... Mrs. Burns would want to divorce Frank because mm-hmm. right at this moment, too, after Radar reveals it to Hawkeye and BJ that Frank's wife wants a divorce, Frank comes into the camp and starts just screaming at Radar. And you're like, yeah. oh, this makes so much sense. Who would mm-hmm. want to deal with this man on a daily basis? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The the cheating is just a get out of jail free card, I suppose. <laughs> So Frank reads the letter and he starts to just freak out. He goes immediately to Radar and is like, I have to call home. I have to call home. I have to call home. And that's basically like the rest of the plot of Frank just trying to get a line to his wife to prevent her from filing for divorce. But I thought that this was really interesting because I don't know for sure, but I think this is the first time we find out that Frank is from Indiana. Oh, yeah, maybe. I think we've heard a little bit about Frank's home life before. Like, I know he has like a $10,000 house or something, <laughs> you know, um, but I wasn't sure if they mentioned that it was from Indiana or not. Uh, this might be a, an episode of, of first for proper hometown locations. Because uh, we get a couple indications of hometowns in this. Yeah, I'm always confused with the amount of eyes in this show. Like, Henry is from <laughs> Illinois, Radar's right. from Iowa, Frank's from Indiana, apparently. I just, I can't keep it all straight. So I'm always like, did we know this before? Did we not know this before? I, I, can, I can never tell. I wonder if that was intentional on the, like, writer's part to make it all kind of I names. I just think that's what, <laughs> like if I was writing the show, that's something I would do. I'd be like, ah, oh, I have to have a central theme to all the hometown <laughs> locations that aren't mentioned in the novel. <laughs> yeah. And I actually thought it was really funny, too, that um, I think this is also the first time that Frank's wife's name is mentioned, like her first name. Um right. And her name is Louise, and so was Trapper's wife's name. And so Ooh. I'm just, I'm very, like, confused. Did they recycle these names? Was it a coincidence? Who knows? It's all a very small uh, pot that they're pulling from. <laughs> but one thing that, like, stood out to me in this episode is that I had never considered the possibility of, like, Frank getting a divorce. Because I know he leaves the show soon. And I just kind of assumed that he'd go back to his happy home life. But now I'm like, ooh, there's going to be so much strife. Uh, He's going to, like, actually have to deal with the consequences of his actions. (laughs) This is so interesting. I kind of want to know what happens to Frank after he leaves the show. Does he stay married? Or does his wife, like, come to her senses and realizes that this man maybe isn't the man that she should be with for the rest of her life. (laughs) And speaking of that, too, it was really funny when uh, Frank was talking to Colonel Potter and was just like really desperate to get the line home because he says that 
his wife worships the ground that he walks on. And I couldn't get that out of my head because (laughs) no, it was it's definitely not true for sure. But then I was thinking about um, when they found Frank's wedding video in that one episode a couple seasons back. Oh, my goodness. That was so funny. And she was not having it with him. So I don't think that she really worships the ground that he walks on. I think that was maybe an exaggeration from Frank Burns. And in this episode, Radar being like the naive kid that he is, like he's like, okay, well, if they get a divorce, he can marry Major Houlihan. <laughs> and uh, Hawkeye very gently is like, he's not going to do that. He's He sees his wife as mommy is like what he <laughs> says, which is insane. And also... The only reason why Frank is like fighting for him to stay married, as we find out at the end of the episode, is that like he's worried about his wife's father's inheritance. So it's all Frank being awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, really funny because he said that all of his stocks or whatever are in his wife's name. And he said that he wants to be like not cut off from his father-in-law's will it's just it's honestly so terrible and i think that louise burns deserves a lot better Um, absolutely because when frank finally gets the line to his wife he threatens to kill himself if his wife goes through with the divorce and honestly no one wants that kind of man that is again maybe the worst thing he's done it's a it's a joke but like That's so abusive, you know, like that's not a good thing to do to your romantic partner. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I I agree that that was bad. That was a bad time. It was such a slimeball conversation, too, because he is laying it on really thick to her, like telling her how much he loves her and he can't stand the idea of living without her and this and that and the other thing. And then as soon as he hangs up the phone, he like chuckles to himself. Yeah. And like you, he knows that or he thinks he knows that he got one over on his wife and that he gets to keep like sleeping with Margaret on the side. But then, of course, Margaret was listening in on the phone conversation with his wife. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was just beautiful. Her reaction. Gorgeous. She throws a chair at him and it shatters behind him when it misses. That was incredible. (laughs) I had to play that twice to like make sure I saw what I saw. But like Frank was not kind to Margaret in this conversation, really trying to play down her attractiveness. And he calls her like an army mule. Just insane stuff, like uncalled for. And once again, I am questioning how in the world they are still in this relationship at this point. This is such clear breakup territory. Well, speaking of that, that's what I was saying at the beginning of this episode about having a lot to say about Frank and Margaret, because to me, this is kind of like the beginning of the end for them. And I don't want to... said that before. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but... I do think that this episode was kind of the turning point in their relationship, which you will see, I think, in the rest of this in the rest of this season and spilling into next season as well. But I do think that this was a very pointed episode for these two because they don't really recover from this incident. I think. Yeah. I as I said before, I have watched the show several times. 
and Mm -hmm. I typically watch it out of order. But from what I remember of watching it in like a chronological order, this is kind of the point of no return for them. And yeah. And so it was it was really it'll be really interesting to see how their relationship now progresses after this episode. That's actually so interesting to me because I just kind of assumed that this would be one of those episodes that's never really brought up again, you know, the the status quo kind of thing. But I'm actually quite happy that this was the breaking point because we've talked about how, like, they should not be in a relationship at this point and they always end up, like, back together at the next episode. So I was kind of discrediting Margaret's, like, emotional intelligence and even if they are slightly <laughs> together, I'm I'm glad that the, the glue is coming apart at the seams. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting for me to kind of reflect on their whole relationship. And obviously it's not over yet. Larry Linville is still very much part of the show. But to mm-hmm. see the writers kind of pepper in certain things, um, like we had talked about in previous episodes of Margaret's personality shifting a little bit, her being kind of more done with Frank's silly behavior and his uptight behavior and whatnot. And then to see this episode be such a breaking point for them. And then I'm excited to kind of just see how the writers handle it, because I always knew that there was this falling out between Frank and Margaret because of, you know, what happens in the show. But Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it really in chronological order like this. So I don't know, it's just, it's really interesting. I think the writers are doing a really good job with Margaret and Frank's relationship and Margaret as a character in general. That's really fun. I'm glad that you're getting a lot out of this because as someone seeing this for the first time, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I know you've seen this so often. So it's fun that we're both kind of getting the same enjoyment out of it. And uh, just with this episode and their relationship, I thought it was funny and it was very bold of Frank to buy Margaret, like, lingerie. I thought that was a little bit of a bridge too far for the supposed secret relationship. (laughs) Um, But I guess height before the fall, you gotta have your your peak (laughs) before you absolutely dive into the dirt. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. And like we said, the fallout between Frank and Margaret in this episode, she throws a chair at him, she chucks her lingerie that he bought her out at mm-hmm. him and says okay well you wear it i'm i'm done with you basically yeah um so that's kind of where we leave frank and margaret for this episode actually because the scene right after this after frank kind of resolves his issues with his wife but then renews some issues with margaret we get this really sweet scene <laughs> of a home movie from radar's family and this was by far my favorite part of the episode and i think probably that comes as a, as a surprise to no one but i loved this what did you think about it this was a great part i love whenever they show home movies like you mentioned frank's wedding video that was my favorite part of whatever episode that was in i love seeing everybody's like home lives and this one was so funny because it has Radar's whole entire family, and Gary Berghoff plays Radar's mom. <laughs> and I was so, like, I was like, I don't want to be mean to this woman, but she looks so much like Gary Berghoff. <laughs> and I had to go to the MASH, like, IMDb page to verify that it was Gary Berghoff <laughs> doing a, like, Mrs. Doubtfire makeup. <laughs> Wait, so you really didn't realize it at the very beginning that Gary Berghoff was playing the character of his mother in this home movie? 
I mean, I did, but it's also black and white, like <laughs> low resolution. So it's like, there's a chance that this is a real woman. And I don't want to be like mean to her by saying like, wow, they really did a good job getting someone who looks exactly <laughs> like Gary Burgoff. Oh my God, Ethan, that's really funny. <laughs> On top of that, that just makes it better because, like I said, I loved this scene so much. I thought it was so cute and wholesome, their little family, their little family dinner. And Mm -hmm. the way that Radar was narrating what his mom was saying, like when they had a close up on her and she said, I love you, Walter. And then she was saying grace at their family dinner. He knew what she was going to say and like Mm -hmm. how she said it and whatnot. And I think that that just says a lot about Radar, too, because... He is so close with his family and it's very obvious from this that he knows exactly what his mom is going to say. He knows what his uncles are doing, what they're going to do when they go inside. I don't know. Yeah. The the fact that he is so tight knit with his family is very sweet and wholesome. I loved that all of his family were like little goofballs, like his <laughs> his uncle or whatever, like would with his glasses, like bring it corn on the cob up to his eyes and be like, look at me, I got <laughs> corn for eyes. And Radar was like, I told you about this. This is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and everybody was like dying. And it was it was a delightful, like very wholesome moment for this episode, especially to balance out the more kind of awful nature of like Frank's weird divorce plotline. This just brings the episode to a nice, like even middle of wholesome and like degeneracy of Frank Burns. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was just really sweet. And I liked how everybody kind of got emotional about it because I'm I'm pretty sure in the episode where Henry's wife sends him a home video of their family and their neighbors and friends and whatnot, everybody also gets really emotional. So I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was really sweet that everybody was having a good time and then also kind of again getting pretty emotional about it. Yeah. I love how they were, like, feeling it, because I'm sure, you know, they they know that Radar is, like, 19, and he's away from home for so long that, yeah, this is a big deal for him to, like, see his family again, and it, it was just really fun. I thought it was a great scene that, like, added a lot to the episode. This is another episode where I'm like, yeah, I could probably show this to people who, like, want to be an introduced to MASH. I definitely agree with you. I think that it's just so sweet. And then right after this, we get even more wholesomeness and and sweetness with Colonel Potter finding out that his grandchild was born. And he thinks that it's a boy, but turns out she's a girl. And I loved his whole reaction to this, where he's like, my grandson's a girl. And then, like, there's a moment where he, the person on the other line, like, assumes that he's disappointed. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not disappointed. This is great news. And, you know, that's just such grandpa energy, especially like 1950s. Like, I'm sure he wanted a grandson, but like, he's going to love whoever he gets. And even the end of the episode, like the very end before the uh, end credits is like everybody in camp kind of like celebrating and like drinking champagne, toasting to uh, the, the new baby. And I thought that was really cool because it wasn't like, a joke. It was just another little wholesome thing to add on to this episode. Yeah, it was just in general really sweet. And I thought that this was pretty interesting too, because this is framed as if it's Colonel Potter's first grandchild. But um, mm-hmm. later on in the series, we find out that Colonel Potter is a grandfather several times over. So oh. I think that this was maybe like retconned a little bit. 
but okay. it was still it was still very sweet, very wholesome. Okay, well, speaking of retcons, actually, this episode we get full confirmation that Hawkeye is from Crabapple Cove because <laughs> he reads from the Crabapple Cove newspaper the entire time, and that just made me, you know, pump my fist in the air because I was <laughs> waiting for for this moment to happen. It's so interesting to me that they just fully went back and were like, yep, Crabapple Cove, Maine, that's mm-hmm. it. But I'm still wondering if maybe, maybe Hawkeye is from Vermont and he moved to Crabapple Cove, Maine. <laughs> that's what I think, personally. We gotta square that circle in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, who knows? Who knows? And uh, I, I liked all the newspaper reading because it was kind of annoying. Like, Margaret calls him out for, like, <laughs> annoying the rest of the camp. But, you know, I generally don't agree with Margaret. But there was a point earlier in the episode where he was, like, reading to recovering patients <laughs> in the, uh, you know, recovery ward, this newspaper. And I was like, I've been in the hospital before. If some guy was reading <laughs> stories of his hometown to me, I would be like, sir, please let me sleep. I do not want to hear about the various shenanigans going on in a place that I do not know. What's so funny is that the newspaper very much seemed like a gossip magazine. It was to, yeah. like detailing all of these people who were seen out together and who were dating and this that, and the other thing. And I was like, who is writing this? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It's It was very funny, very specific to small hometown life. I imagine if we went digging, you could find this kind of paper everywhere. <laughs> Probably, yeah. One scene that I really liked, too, was when Klinger came into Colonel Potter's office and yeah. said that his brothers had so tragically passed away in a harmonica factory explosion and he was all dressed in black like a like a mourning widow from old times mm-hmm. and <laughs> colonel potter pulls out his file and says well you don't have brothers <laughs> this whole bit with colonel potter is so so funny uh this is like the hardest i've laughed at a colonel potter centric segment uh so far that like Klinger comes in and he's like, oh, it's unspeakable. Colonel Potter just tells him to shove off if he doesn't want to talk to him. (laughs) Just absolutely no guff, no nonsense from this man. This really reminded me of the mother dead, sister pregnant jokes um, that Klinger tried to pull with Henry. um, And Colonel Potter, at the same time, just pulls out a file and is like, you said that you don't have brothers. And he's like, no, no, I was lying. I definitely have brothers. And then <laughs> as soon as Colonel Potter says, no, you're lying, Klinger just immediately folds. Is like, how did you mm-hmm. know I was lying? So it was just it was just a very it was just a great bit. And I think that any time that Klinger tries to bring up his family, anytime that Klinger brings up his family in general, it's yeah. just so funny. <laughs> Just the whole bit with like, well, I was lying because they're illegal and they live under the porch and we had to feed them by gaslight or whatever. <laughs> just then, insane. And him saying that his mother wrote the wrote him the letter that his brother supposedly died in Lebanese, but then he burned the letter and uh, just just clinger in his shenanigans. Just always so good. Always a delight. I want to know 
with the mother pregnant sister dead thing or you know whatever <laughs> order that goes in um i want to know if Klinger tried that gambit with colonel potter knowing that he was like a fresh face to scam mm. um but clearly he wasn't having any of it um i i hope we get a few more Klinger scams in the future because these are Maybe my favorite bit in the entire show. You have to commend him for being creative because that's pretty creative. Yes. Harmonica factory explosion. <laughs> he could have just said they got hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, One other scene that I wanted to talk about uh, was really quick. And in the beginning was when Radar was laughing at Father Mulcahy's first name. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this that this is, is also bit. the first time that we get Father Mulcahy's like given name too. Um, which again I is so. retconned later on because he is John Francis Mulcahy. Um, oh, really? Yep. I so, didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that this season is just very interesting with like putting the characters like more on solid ground almost because, like you said, we or like we established before, I think. This is the first season where Radar's given name is said to be Walter. This is mm-hmm. when uh, Father Mulcahy gets a real name. This is when um, Frank Burns is established to be in Indiana. So I don't know. Th- this episode was very interesting with character background development, I thought. And even the last episode, or maybe the episode before, we do have establishment that Frank has children. So they're doing a lot to... Just add more to the background lives. You're right. And also, I think this was the first time that it's established that Father Mulcahy's sister plays basketball. Yes, yes. I remember we had talked about this prior in the episode Dear Sis, and I don't think that they mentioned her being a basketball playing nun. But Mm -hmm. this is the episode that I was talking about. I was not crazy. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fun. Again, great concept. I would watch that movie uh, every day of my life. (laughs) The basketball playing nun. Amazing. I want to know her story. I would love a spinoff of just Father Mulcahy and his sister just hanging out. Yes, that's the aftermath we needed but (laughs) didn't get. (laughs) While we're talking about bonus kind of scenes that we didn't discuss, One gag that I want to mention is that uh, BJ gets like 50 letters from his wife and the family dog. I thought that was really great and quite adorable. I thought it was so sweet. Not only the dog part, (laughs) but also the fact that BJ's wife writes him as much as she does. Because Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how hard it must be for her having a new baby at home and then having her husband go off to war it must be so terrible and it just also indicates how much they love each other which just always warms my heart so clearly they miss each other very much in this little scene and as we talked about in another episode bj is supposed to be like very young like he's supposed to be like 28 so you figure his wife is around that same age or younger 25 28 having to deal with like your young husband gone absolutely one of the worst things that could happen i imagine yeah i mean like they're barely out of the honeymoon phase and he is just gone for several months and uh, it's just so this this scene with the letters just really touched me because it was it was just so sweet then the writing of the letter from the dog i thought was like a very cute 1950s like wife thing <laughs> to do 
Because you're like, oh, well, he's a member of the family, too. We got to hear from him. Yeah, I like that. I like that Peg might have been doing that just to, like, make him smile. That just, that, again, makes me so happy. It was a good time. Okay, so that was basically the entire episode, very much out of order, but it was, in fact, the whole episode. So, Ethan, (laughs) do you have any favorite lines from this episode? One that stuck out to me immediately was during the Radar's home movie segment when he like relays the message from his mom saying like, oh, I love you, Walter. And then everyone else in camp is like, who's Walter? And Radar's like, oh, that's my given name. And so quick, without any hesitation, uh, Hawkeye just says, give it back. (laughs) So (laughs) funny. (laughs) Without any reaction from Radar. It was it was really good. My favorite line from this episode was when Frank was very nervous about being able to get a line home um, and he was yelling at Radar and he called Colonel Potter a dimwit or something like that. Oh, right. And Colonel Potter was in the room and Frank didn't realize it. So Colonel Potter says, I'd watch that dimwit talk, Burns. Your bulb's been out since <laughs> your bulb's <laughs> been out since I met you. And Is he wrong? No. (laughs) Again, I love that they've only known Frank for so short of time, but they already have his number just completely. Him and (laughs) that Colonel Potter and PJ just absolutely know who Frank Burns is to his core. (laughs) Um, I also have to shout out this other line from Frank where he says, I have so much pressure on me. My mother and father never got divorced. I would have been so much better if I came from a broken home. (laughs) Insane. What a crazy privilege thing for a man in his, like, early 40s, late 30s to say. (laughs) Frank Burns is just an enigma, I think. (laughs) He's a real piece of work. That he is. So, Vanessa, do you have any trivia for us in this episode? Surprisingly, I do. So, there wasn't a guest star in this episode. But Radar makes a very offhand comment about not being able to get a line out to either the hospital where Colonel Potter's grandchild uh, is being born and can't get a line out to Frank's wife because of a parade celebrating the re-election of Sigmund Rhee, who I had no idea who that was, but they referred to him as a dictator. And I said, hmm, Hmm. that's interesting. So what did I do? I looked up Sigmund Rhee. So here we go. (laughs) Sigmund Rhee was the president of South Korea from 1948 to 1960. Interesting that they call him the president and also a dictator in this show, but we will get to it. Okay. So in 1952, Rhee was up for re-election and his political opponents, who made up a majority of the National Assembly, which I assume is more like the parliament or Congress, were coming at him really hard. So... There were numerous corruption allegations and scandals that Rhee's political opponents used to attack him. Some of the scandals included a son-in-law of Rhee's defense minister embezzling funds that were supposed to go to food, clothing, and equipment for Korean civilians. Another cover-up was the Kochang Massacre, in which over 200 men from a Kochang village were rounded up and shot due to accusations of harboring guerrillas within the village. A high-ranking colonel in the South Korean army prevented all attempts at investigating the massacre, and that colonel was later promoted by Rhee to be South Korea's director of national police. So knowing he was going to face a tough re-election, Rhee imposed martial law in South Korea in order to stay in power. When the National Assembly voted to lift the martial law order, 
reordered all the members who opposed it to be arrested and pressured remaining members who hadn't gone into hiding to pass a constitutional amendment that would allow Reed to easily win re-election and remain in power. And he did so until 1960. What a wild thing just to put into the background (laughs) of this episode. This is so politically complicated. And like, if you're unfamiliar with the time period, you would have no idea. That's this is a joke just for history nerds, for people like (laughs) willing to look it up or already know. That's so interesting. Well, you know, I was thinking about it and the show becomes a bit less critical of the U.S. and the military bureaucracy and whatnot as it progresses. But these little quips never really go away. And I Mm -hmm. think that the writers really intentionally put this joke in the show to say that Ree was a dictator because he was technically the president and democratically elected. But that being said, he was using that power to like be a dictator um, and mm-hmm. to remain in power. So I thought that that was a very pointed way of of like a little bit of criticism in this episode that was otherwise very like light and fun um, for like the history and where the U.S. was and like who they were backing in terms of like foreign wars at the time so i don't know the 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 whole thing was just very interesting to me to look up oh absolutely that's one thing that i really do appreciate in the show the little background mentions that actually give it a place in the real world that this is not all just goofy comedy that like they've done their research and kind of know what was going on at the time i think is really interesting and I'm very glad that you brought this up because I was I was worried that there would be no trivia. I was like, there's no one in this episode <laughs> other than Gary Berghoff playing his own mother. Um, so this is way more interesting than I ever expected. Thank you for uh, this this trivia. Yeah, of course. And I didn't know who Sigmund Rhee was. So it was very interesting for me to look him up. So, Ethan, what was your martini rating for this episode? Another difficult one because I just really enjoyed this one. And I don't want to just give everything a super high rating because I feel (laughs) like that makes me sound like I'm not like critically thinking about these episodes. But honestly, for my enjoyment, this might be another 4.5. I had a good time. I had no problems once again. (laughs) Yeah, I think that um, I originally gave this one a three, but I definitely think that it's in the four territory for me. I would definitely give this a four out of five because everything about it was just so enjoyable. Even though this was more of a straight sitcom episode like the last episode was, it was still really enjoyable. And I did, I think, like it a little bit more. Um, So definitely a four for me. And this is a major turning point episode, apparently, because this is where the the ice breaks in Frank and Margaret's relationship. So we can't discount this one as like filler. You know, this is an important one to the lore. This is character building at its finest. (laughs) Yes. So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to you, Jacob, for your backup, for being our technical consultant, Melissa, Vanessa's sister, for awesome cover art, and of course, our listeners. Links to our music, social media, and contact with the show are in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 4, Episode 16, The Price of Tomato Juice. But until then, if you're going to make a slimy phone call, make sure no one's listening in. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone.